Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 16. We're going we're gonna to continue our summer sermon series that we've been in on the fruit of the Spirit. How many of you have been enjoying this series? How many of you have become depressed because of this series? Because of all of the things that are like, oh my goodness, I've got a lot of work to do here. Here's the good news, and this is, I want to stress this again. This was on my heart this morning. Um, I want to stress again that this is not your work. This is the work of the Spirit in you. Now, does that mean you're going to get, like, zapped and suddenly be more loving? No. We have to cooperate with the Spirit. We have to yield to the Spirit. Uh, But I want you to know and hopefully be encouraged that this is a work that God already has all of these characteristics, and he wants to let them be on display through you, right? Right? So as we go through this, I just wanted to stress that again this morning, that this is not something uh, that you can accomplish in your own strength. This is something to continually learn daily how to surrender, how to yield to the Spirit, how to follow and become dependent on Him and less dependent on our own know-how, our own smarts, our own wisdom, and all those things. So let's read again. We've been reading this every week. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 starting in verse 16, and we'll read through verse 23. Let's read this together. It says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. This is what happens when you try and do this in your own strength. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, excuse me, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, as we continue to work our way through studying these uh, characteristics of your fruit, these attributes of your presence at work in our lives, uh, we just ask right now, Lord, that you would humble us enough to remember that this is not a work we can accomplish in our own power that you would humble us, even if we're pretty good at the behavior management thing, you would humble us even more today to recognize how we are not doing this in our own strength and we can't do this in our own strength. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would encourage us 
That we wouldn't be uh, condemning ourselves and down on ourselves. That's what the work of the enemy is doing in our lives. But that you would be encouraging us and moving us and showing us how you are slowly developing and growing this fruit in each of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, how many of you have realized, like I have, that we live in a, an instant culture? How many of you know that? Maybe you've never thought about that. I think about it. Just look at some of these things for a quick moment. Think about how instant some of these things are. Anyone love a good Pop-Tart? I haven't had Pop-Tarts in years. Just like instant breakfast, right? Uber Eats. I don't know how much Uber Eats operates in West Milford, to be honest. But you get, you get delivery or something like that. It's quick, right? You don't have to worry about making food, cooking food. It's just there. How many of you live without Amazon in your life? I feel like very few of us nowadays live without Amazon Prime. Same day delivery, next day delivery. Don't worry, we'll have a drone drop that off at your front door momentarily. iPhones, in in and of the phone itself, you can reach anyone like that. And not just like someone like on the same switchboard in the same town. You can reach someone on the other side of the globe I watched a live stream with my daughter the other day from, like, where, where was it? It was, like, the International Space Station. And I was sitting there going, like, this is insane. I was, like, this is how, ha- I was trying to explain to her, this is happening right now. As, like, the, the ISS is, like, flying over some, like, uh, I think it was, like, over Europe or something. And it was, like, dark and nighttime and the sky's all lit up. You can see all the cities. Like, I can, on my phone, pull that up right now. How crazy is that? Like, I wonder what space looks like right now. We can find out. What kind of an instant crazy culture is this? Microwaves. The list goes on. Our, te- our ears tend to perk up when we, when we hear phrases like express or fast pass or same day service or on demand. On demand TV is where it's at. Streaming. If you've got to wait for the next episode to come out, what kind of cruel life is this? You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. We got excited. We forgot we were watching a show, and then we forgot to watch it for a couple weeks, and we're like, we have three episodes to watch. This is awesome. And now we have to wait again for another week. What kind of terrible, terrible life is this that I've got to wait for things? Even in the grocery store, do you ever think about a modern supermarket in in America or in Western culture? You can pretty much get any food you want from any part of the globe just by walking into that store. And that's not something most people in the world actually can experience, by the way. Most people have never been able to experience that, not even now. That's not normal for most people in the world. You've got to wait for your food because you have to grow it. Or if you go into the market once, maybe you can get something from like the surrounding area farms, but you're not getting something from the other side of the world. People in other times in history would look at us and think we are the most opulent, luxurious people ever. We have air conditioning. If you've got air conditioning in a supermarket, you are living in the most successful, opulent, luxurious culture in all of time. Have you ever thought of that? Think about the name of it. We condition the air. It has nothing to do with my sermon. I just think that's crazy. Like, what, what kind of culture is this? Just think about that for a minute. It's insane what we have access to like that. It is insane what we can do like that. 
And we've built a way of life that's very dependent on these kinds of services. Uh, these kinds of things are staples for us. I'll just order that real quick. Oh, I'll just do that. I'll, I'll just run over and pick up takeout. Let me just order dinner real quick. Let me just drop this off. I can pick it up later. And, and it's been so helpful and convenient. I use these services all the time, don't you? But as a result, I think, because I'm, I'm a human just like you, believe it or not, and I find myself, when I'm surrounded by these kinds of services, living in this, immersing myself in this kind of on-demand, instant culture, I find myself being able to tolerate waiting very little. I got to wait for that next episode to come out? Are you kidding me? A week? That's like seven days. Are you insane? What do you mean you don't have any more of these rare plants from the other side of the world? I've got to wait till next week's shipment comes in? Some of what we're experiencing right now with like supply chain issues around the world and they have less food. You can only buy two of something at the grocery store. We look at it and think the world's coming to an end and that's just normal for most people around the globe. We live in a crazy instant culture, don't we? An instant culture. And I know for one thing for me, it has made uh, it incredibly hard to think much about practicing patience. How about you? What do you think our culture is doing to us when it comes to patience? What do you think our culture is teaching us about the importance of patience? What do you think? No one has any thoughts? That wasn't a rhetorical question. I'm sorry, Link. What do you think? What do you think our culture is teaching us? Patience is bad. You pay more and you don't have to wait. I'll just work a little more so I, then I don't have to wait. I have a little extra money to do that. What else? Patience is not necessary. It, it is a forgotten art to learn how to be patient. So when we run into uh, problems in relationships, we run into problems with uh, circumstances in our life, we run into uh, disappointment with people. We run into uh, all sorts of surprises and things that are out of our control. We just decide, no problem. I'm going to move on and try something else. We don't go, is there a way to work through this patiently? I find this a struggle. You probably do too. When we talk about the fruit of patience, which is what we're talking about today, and we read it there, one of the fruit of the Spirit, part of the fruit of the Spirit, is patience. And, and it comes from this Greek word, macrothumia. Macrothumia. There's a tongue twister for the day, macrothumia. Here's what it means. Macro literally means long, and thumia means suffering. How many of you are all here for long-suffering? I'm going to suffer long. Woo! You're so excited for long-suffering. How many of you signed up to follow Jesus to be filled by his spirit to be able to suffer long? No one told you that part of the gospel, did they? 
This one one uh, biblical scholar uh, decided to to kind of shape it in a, in a framing in a word that would work well for our culture, and, and this is I think a really helpful way to describe it. We we often think of people who are short tempered, right? They don't know how to suffer long. So he suggested we we could retranslate patience as uh, long tempered. Are you long tempered? Maybe with some people we are. Maybe with some people we're not. Maybe some situations we are, some we're not. How many of you love sitting in traffic? How many of you love traffic when there wasn't supposed to be traffic? How many of you love, my favorite is like Google Maps. And it's like all green, all green. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, boom, it goes red and adds 20 minutes to your drive. Isn't that the best? How do you handle those unexpected moments of long, long, long suffering? That's hard, but Paul says that this is part of the, the work that the Spirit wants to produce in each of us is to be people who are long-tempered, people who can suffer long, people who are comfortable not being instant in an instant culture, to be able to have a loving tolerance for people in situations that are inconvenient, that are hurtful or disappointing to us, uh, it, that is a radical shift from everything that our culture teaches us, isn't it? Radical, because we're like, oh, this is a problem. No worries, I'm going to move on to something else. No one would talk about patience as a good thing, would they? Like I think it was Dustin that said that. We, are learn, we learn by our culture that patience is bad. Waiting is bad. Instant, Good. And this is funny because in the world that uh, this Galatian church was in, uh, it's really hard to find this word macrothumia in any kind of Greek writing of that day. You couldn't find it. People didn't talk about long-suffering. Why would you do that? That sounds terrible. That sounds inconvenient. And it doesn't sound like it's helping me live my best life possible. It was really only found in one place in Paul's day, and it was found in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Now, some of you might know this, some of you might not, but the Jews in Jesus' day, uh, the early church in, in this day, the first century, they didn't read the Hebrew Bible so much. They might have, uh, but what they used often was a Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. And so this word, macrothumia, guess who it's associated with in that Greek translation of the Old Testament? It's associated with one person, and that's God. It's associated with Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament. Macrothumia was a description really not found in anywhere else in Greek writing and culture, but it was found in descriptions of who the Hebrew God was. Exodus 34, 6, look at this. Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Long-tempered, long-suffering. Psalm 103.8 describes God this way. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to, anger, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. And this character trait of God is the same as the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's God. And so the Holy Spirit's trying to work out this kind of compassionate, merciful, slow to get angry, or we'll even say slow to get annoyed kind of thing. That's the Holy Spirit wanting to bring that same attribute 
in the lives of this Galatian church and in your and my life as well. What would it look like to be a part of a people that was slow to anger with people around us? Slow to anger in situations. Can you even fathom this? Can you even imagine this? Does this sound insane to you? Does this sound crazy? How many complaints did you hear this past week because something was taking too long? Often. This is the God that we serve, though. He's known as a long-suffering God, and he wants that character trait to be worked out in us as we yield to the Holy Spirit, to be a long-tempered people. Now, there's no, as I said at the beginning, there's no how to do this. There's no five easy steps to become more patient. You can't do that. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There's It's not something that any of us has the power or strength to do in and of ourselves. It is a constant work of us yielding to the Holy Spirit. And instead of our will, our agenda, the things we want happen, it is to back off and become more dependent on the Holy Spirit and how he wants to lead us in in different things. Now imagine how submitting to the Holy Spirit in a conflict with a friend or a spouse or a a child-parent relationship. Imagine how that would change. Just think of yourself in the best possible light for a minute. How you would normally react in like an argument or a conflict with with someone. And, And then think about what if you were just allowing that entire conversation or conflict to be informed by the Holy Spirit's long suffering. How would you do that differently? How would you conduct your life differently? What kind of things would you say? What kind of things would you not say and bite your tongue? Would you listen more? Would you seek to understand more? Would there be things generally about your life you'd want to change so that you weren't as hurried all the time and you had more time to be patient and listen? So Those are the kinds of things that I think Uh, While we can't make ourselves more patient, I think there are some things that we can do practically in our lives to make more space for the Holy Spirit to work patience out in us. No step-by-step instruction, but but I want to just provide for us a few uh, practical ways for us to learn how to slow down and put ourselves in the best possible position to yield what we want to do to what the Spirit wants to do. Make sense? So let's just talk about a few really practical things this morning to help us. And I think when we do this, it's, it's radical. I want to say that first. It's radical. It's countercultural when we do these things. Um, but it is the kind of pace and, and, and practice that we need to put in place if we're going to be able to hear the Spirit guiding us to be more patient followers of Jesus. So here we go. First, slow down. Slow down. Everyone's already like, ah, I can't do that. I know you feel it like I do. You come into church on Sunday, and this is the longest you're sitting in one place all week, and you want to fall asleep while I'm talking. I understand. I have two little kids. Every time I sit down, I want to fall asleep too. Our lives are lived at too fast of a pace. Let me say it one more time. Our lives are lived at too fast of a pace. That's not a judgment. That's not a criticism on anyone in the room or on myself. We are all suffering. 
from a world that is going too fast. Did you know that there, there is a, uh, a term in Japan uh, called Hiroshi, and it's called death from overwork? You ever heard of this? There was someone named, his last name was Hiroshi, and he learned how to work like 90, 100-hour work weeks on the regular. He'd work even more than that sometimes. And he was celebrated and applauded by everyone uh, and, and praised, and then he died, dropped dead at like 26 from overwork. And the term came to describe a sickness in Japanese culture. But it's, a, it's something we're all suffering from in the United States. What's our favorite thing to tell people when we go, how are you doing? What have you been doing lately? And you respond, what? Busy, busy. Oh, it's been busy. It's like a badge of honor we wear. It's been busy, and we're like, oh, good. That's good. Why do we do that? Do you like being busy? Sometimes there's a difference. Like, we can have a very full season of life, right? There's a lot going on. It can be very full, very active. There are seasons like that. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. But for some reason, we want to wear busyness as a badge of honor. We're overscheduled. We're overcommitted. And not just us. If you have kids, our children are overscheduled and overcommitted. They don't know how to play. It's crazy. We pack our schedules too tightly. We live at too high a speed. And then, because we're living at such a fast pace, we begin to develop really false and unhealthy expectations of how quickly everyone else needs to be able to respond to us. Think about when someone texts you, and then they don't get, you, you don't get back to them. Or when you text someone, why haven't they gone back to me? It's been four hours. Like, maybe they got 40 of those texts. We expect far too much sometimes of people because we're living in this crazy fast pace. And I actually think it's hurting us and harming us in pretty serious ways. We suddenly find ourselves in situations, like I mentioned before, where there's conflict. And we don't have the time to actually slow down enough with the other person to process it. Because we have to move on to the next thing on our calendar or our to-do list. Anyone else feel that? Like, this has to get resolved, we'll come back to that. And we run on to the next thing. Do we ever go back? So maybe some of us, if we're super hyper-intentional. But it's pretty rare. It's pretty rare. It's hard. It's hard to be intentional, slow down, be patient. It's much easier to just give a snippy response and move on. But is that the work of long-suffering, long-temperedness in our lives? doesn't mean you have to drop everything at the hat when someone has a problem, but it does mean we need to be living at a slow enough pace to be able to consider what's happening and how we're going to resolve this later patiently. You all with me? Practically, what can we do? A few spiritual disciplines that I have found really helpful to help me slow down, and I promise you, you're going to hate them. I'm just kidding. You might hate it. Some of you might love it. Um, practice silence and solitude. Silence and solitude. Did you know silence and solitude is a form of prayer? Just being with Jesus. You're not saying anything. He's not saying anything. You're just with him. Mother Teresa was once interviewed, and, and she was asked, when you talk to God, she's a very holy woman, right? When you talk to God, what do you say? Oh, I don't say anything. I just listen. 
And, and so the journalist says, oh, okay, so what does God say to you when you're listening? He's like, he doesn't say anything. He just listens. <laughs> Mother Teresa learned the art of being with Jesus. And that was prayer. No one would argue that Mother Teresa is not a holy woman, right? A very spiritual woman who was close to God, right? And she learned how to be silent and still and be with Jesus. Uh, My aim, I'm not perfect at this, my aim is twice a day, personally, in silence. Uh, Somewhere, I'm trying to push myself a little further, but I I started and I've talked to some of our young leaders in our church, start with two minutes. I've done five minutes, I'm trying to push to like 15 minutes of silence in the morning right now. It's really hard, all of my to-do list for the day starts popping up in my head. And I just like let it go, I give myself permission to not think about that right now. And then I try and stop like at lunchtime. That one's hard. That one's really hard because you're in the flow. There's a lot of work to do. Taking time to just stop and be with God teaches me that not everything is as urgent as I think it is. And I can begin to slow down. Psalm 62, 1 and 2 says, I wait quietly before God for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. Notice that being unshakable is connected to waiting quietly before God. Notice that having a life that is unshakable, probably one that does not react out of rage, but can suffer long, that has a long temper, a life like that is found in waiting quietly before God. Another practice you can put into place is something called a prayer of examine. Uh, Ignatius of Loyola uh, was a, one of the early uh, church leaders, and, and he developed this uh, series of reflection questions to just prayerfully ask yourself at the end of every day. And, and I'm not going to read them all here. You can go look it up. It's really helpful. Uh, prayer of examine, it's called. But it's a really great way to help you reflect back on your day and see, were there invitations from God to be patient that I missed or not? And it'll take you through a whole bunch of different things. Uh, it, not just patience, but it's okay, I I had this argument or this situation. Was I patient? Actually, I think I brushed them aside, but God was kind of tugging on me to just hold on a minute and and not snap at them. And I didn't didn't listen. Okay, I'm gonna reflect on that. God, here, I wanna do differently. I'm repenting of that. I I wanna do differently next time. And that prayer of examine, that like 10, 15 minutes to close your day, end your day with, is such a gift um, to help you begin to recognize when the spirit is trying to grow your patience. And the third one um, that is super helpful is, is practicing the spiritual discipline of Sabbath. Sabbath is like the ultimate weekly slowdown. Here's what Sabbath means. It literally means to stop, to stop. And the idea is, and this, is a, this is, comes out of the Jewish world uh, and, and in the scriptures, to, it, the idea is that you stop all your work, all your chores, all your to-do lists, for 24 hours every seven days, and you have space to rest, to worship, to connect with those that are closest to you, to, be, to celebrate, to feast, to enjoy good things, a good book, a good meal, good friendship, all those things, and, and connect in those ways. Uh, there's, and, and, and that practice is, is something that uh, our family's been practicing for, since before we had kids, and, and it's something that has anchored us every week that there's a day on the calendar that's essentially like we can't do anything 
that is not falling in this idea of worship and rest. And it's a struggle, and there's a lot of things that get moved around on the calendar to make it happen. Uh, but for us, it's been a radical countercultural thing. We usually don't even go shopping or do anything store-related on that day because there's too much rush and hubbub in stores. For us, we found, like, we spend time with our girls, we read. Sometimes it's a good time to connect with friends, eat good food, make pizza, eat ice cream. Those are usually on the, on the calendar every Saturday when we do this. And for us, it's taught us how to uh, resist some of the instant or to do, or the need to fix something now, or jump into something now, and it's helped grow patience in us in a tremendous way. There's actually um, a huge video production supply company called B&H Photo in, in New York City. Some of you might know it or be familiar with it. Huge national and even international supplier to professional pro photographers, filmmakers, everyone. They, they're, they're some of the best customer service, the, the best in the business. And, and tons of people around the nation and around the globe use B&H. Now, here's the thing about B&H, though. Uh, they are owned by a, a group of Orthodox Jewish uh, people, and every Sabbath, B&H closes. Their superstore in Manhattan closes, but not just that. This blew my mind, because we'll buy stuff there for tech purchases for both of our campuses here a lot of times. Here's what blew my mind. I needed something for Sunday. I ordered it late on Friday, too late, Sabbath started. It sat in my cart and I got a notification, this won't be processed until Sunday or Monday because they shut down from 4 p.m. or sunset Friday to sunset Saturday every single week. You think like, well, this isn't really practical. There's a business that's crazy successful that's practicing this. And, and not even that, it's enforced on their organization and their staff. They were asked by journalists once, what are you doing? You're missing out on huge profits. Everyone wants to come into the store on Saturdays and shop and do all these things, all this different stuff. Like, how, how can you justify this? And the owner simply responded, we answer to a higher authority. I, that blew me away. Like, they're pretty busy they're pretty busy. There's a lot of demand. And that stuff just sits in my cart. Imagine if Amazon shut down for 24 hours every seven days. We would die. We would all die, right? It, it would be crazy. But, but think about how crazy the instant rush culture, the anti-patience culture ha has, has taught us that it's not okay to wait. And perhaps there's an invitation from the Spirit for us all to slow down. Second thing we can do practically when it comes to growing in patience, we seek to understand. Seek to understand. A, a lot of issues of patience are not just us, us with our to-do lists or us with um, tasks and things like that or circumstances. Most situations with patience have to do with other people. Are you being patient with that person? Are you being long-tempered with them? I love what James says in James chapter 1, verses 19 to 20. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And then he says this, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. One of those works of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5 that we read was outbursts of anger. What do you think Paul's saying the Spirit wants to produce in us instead of that? Patience. 
Are you going to be long-tempered? Or are you going to try and do stuff in your own power and have outbursts of anger? James is highlighting anger as the opposite to patience, especially when it comes to our relationships with each other. Instead of resorting to snap judgments, the life the Spirit wants to produce in you and I is about being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. We love to do quick to speak, slow to listen, sometimes very quick to get angry. But that's not what the Spirit wants to do in us. When others do not do what we want, when others disappoint us, when they hurt us, it can be very, very easy to just set patience aside and become angry, can't it? Just think about your week. I had outbursts of anger this week too. There were not moments where the fruit of the Spirit was showing patience in me. When we burst out in anger, what we're actually doing is we're making a lot of assumptions about the situation, assumptions about what the other person's motives were. Instead, maybe seek to understand, ask questions like, what prompted you to do that? I like that better than why, because why did you do that can put the other person on a defensive, like they have to defend themselves. Understand what's going on. What prompted you to do that? It's a lot less of an aggressive way of finding out what's going on. Not always good with that. It'd be great with kids. What prompted you to dump out your water on the floor like that? That was like four times in one day last week. What prompted you to cause me to have to clean this up 800 million times? Probably just thought it was a good idea. I don't know. They're kids. Help me understand where you're coming from. Seeking to understand. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry, and I would even add, be eager to understand. Now, a lot of times you might do that, and you still might arrive at the same conclusion. You were being stupid. That's okay if you still arrive there, but do it through love and patience. You might get there and say, I see, okay, I I understand why you did what you did. Thank you for sharing that. It was still a really bad idea. Here's something you need to consider next time. You hear the patience in that. Who are the people you often make snap judgments about in your life? Bosses, coworkers, neighbors, friends, spouses, kids, parents. Who are you making snap judgments about? Winning arguments in your head. I can't believe they did that again. I'm going to have to tell them. I'll tell them. I'm right. I know the answer. How can you seek to understand them and in so doing create space for the Holy Spirit to grow patience in your life and in mine? So slow down, seek to understand. And finally, kind of connected to the first idea, but learn your no and your yes. Learn your no and your yes. Here's what I mean by this. How many of you uh, get asked to do something, and you just say yes, like, to everything. You guys love, if some of you are like, ooh, that me. You're like, that, I do that, I do that. You're like, yeah, I'll do that. And then you look at your calendar a week later, and you're like, what have I done? 
I have four parties at the same time. I have three work opportunities or obligations, and I cannot fulfill them all, and they're all due at the same time with three different people in three different countries. Something (laughs) insane like that happens. Learn your no and your yes. You know when someone asks you something, it's okay to say, I'm not sure, let me get back to you. And also, no is a full sentence. You don't need to give them an explanation. You know, tread lightly and be wise if this is your boss saying this. I want Just a word of wisdom. But perhaps there's another way. If they add another thing to your plate, say, okay, I hear you. Maybe try, you've asked me to also take care of this, this, and this this week. What priority order would you prefer that I put this in so that I can make sure I accomplish the thing that's most important for us? Your boss will probably really appreciate that. But if there's a patient response and it allows you to kind of work with them to get to where the no is. Because there might be a no in there. They might be like, you know what? Forget all those things this week. This is what matters. Great. Sounds good. Instead of going, no, I can't do that. I'm doing three other things already. Bye. But a lot of things in life, you've got a lot of control over. What kind of activities you're going to be involved in? What kind of activities your kids are going to be involved in? Uh, What you say yes to or no to, even in, in church. Guys, we need, I'm just going to throw it out there, we need more people in Kidsmen, we need more connectors, we need more people serving in different places, because the goal is not to have two people on doing stuff every single week. The body of believers serves together. And, we're, and, and it is actually a personal goal of mine to not overextend people. So if there's something you're like, I wish there was more of this, why don't you jump in? I'm not, I'm not like upset about that or anything. I just want you to know, I'm just using it as an example. That, that there are things for each and every one of us to go, I'm already doing this, so I feel comfortable saying no to this. I'm also a person, personally, who loves to say, I'm going to ask you to do like 100 things. But I'm very comfortable with you coming back and saying, I'm sorry, no, I can't do that. And I think it's good for all of us to be those kinds of people. What does this have to do with patience? Why am I talking about this? Here's what it it has to do with patience. It's going to help you slow down because your life is going to become decluttered. What has God called you to? What has God called your family to? And more important than what he's just called you to, who has he called you to be? And therefore, what are the things you need to say yes to and no to as a result of that? Declutter your life. Because when you're doing a whole bunch of things that God has not called you to, and you're saying yes to them, you get very resentful usually in those situations. I know I do. When I've said yes, and I'm like, I should have said no to this. And I have to try and like cheerfully get through it, knowing that like this is not a good situation. And I can sometimes get resentful. Do you ever say yes to something, and then you're, you're really upset at the person that you said yes to? And you do like the bare minimum and then they're upset with you, you're upset with them, you don't get very patient with them, you're stressed because you're overwhelmed, you've got too many things going on, and you snap at someone later. Declutter your life. Learn what your no is, and learn what your yes is. This is a practical way to make more space in your life to hear and learn as the Spirit is producing patience in you. Good? Patience doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. 
How many of you know that? The irony is we're looking for a quick fix to be more patient. Some of you understood that joke. The rest of it will come to you. Patience comes as we learn how to resist a culture of instantaneous gratification. Patience comes as we learn how to practice a less hurried life. It doesn't come easy, but it comes. Patience comes as we learn to do things slower, as we adjust our expectations of ourselves and of other people, as we learn to slow down, as we learn to seek to understand, as we learn to know what our no and our yeses are. We're inviting the Spirit to those places. Hear me. These are not three steps that are going to make you more patient. All these are doing is slowing you down, decluttering your life enough to be able to hear Spirit's direction, guide you into more patience. Are you with me? That's what He wants to do in you and in me. How many invitations of the Spirit into deeper patience do you think we've missed because of our frantic pace that we live life at? How many invitations of the Spirit into loving people more, being long-tempered with people, how many have we missed because we have not sought to understand? How many have we missed because we've said yes to too many things? What have we missed because we've lived life at too fast a pace? I wonder if we could be a people that is so good at being long-tempered with people that those in your life just start to flock to you. Why? Because you're a non-anxious presence. You're a person who, they're not going to snap at me if I tell them something crazy. Or even if I give them some feedback about how they're doing. They're not going to blow up on me. I know this person. Man, for some reason, they're just really patient. They give me a lot of chances. They take time with me. I'm not saying to be be a walking doormat here. But, I, but I'm saying, what could be possible? Who are the people that you could be influencing if you were a person of patience? A person that was long-tempered. So, as we make space, we slow down, we seek to understand, understand others, we declutter our schedule, learn our yes and our no, we abide in the Spirit. We have extra time to just be aware of him, be attentive to him, and watch as his fruit becomes more abundant in our lives. Just remember the words of Jesus as we close. The worship team comes up. We're going to take communion. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Remain in me. Remain in me, and you're going to bear much fruit. Let's slow down. Let's declutter. Let's seek to understand so we are staying connective and attentive to what the Spirit is saying and doing so we can grow in patience. Amen? Let's stand. I want to pray for you. Jesus, I am uh, including myself in this as I pray for our church. It is so easy to be short-tempered and not long-tempered. It is so easy to make the snap judgments. 
It is so easy to live life at a frenetic pace. So easy to go faster because that seems good. But Jesus, I ask that you would teach us to be slow. To be with you. To seek to understand because we're not in a hurry. To learn our no's and our yeses from you. You would give you would give courage to slow down. Give us courage to live life differently. Not for our own sake, but for the sake of the world. In Jesus' name. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.